You know, one of the things I've learned to enjoy and value the most about my journey through this podcast are the conversations I get to have and the people I get to meet that are sometimes quietly contributing to the larger whole sort of in the background. These are individuals that are just simply passionate about training, about helping people and about spreading the message in a very positive way. This guest today, his name is Dylan Vensky. He's been a shooter his whole life and you're going to learn he's just a dude that loves to shoot and uh, he's actually done quite a few things uh, along his journey, which have put him in a position to help others with their own journey. We get into Dylan's background, the things that he's done in the past, the things that he's doing now. We get into a little bit of culture and philosophy of teaching and coaching. This was a fun conversation for me, and I hope you enjoy uh, listening to Dylan Bensky. You know, the older kids taught me a lesson early in life, and that was snitches get stitches. We kids wanted things we said and did in the absence of outside eavesdropping eyes and ears to remain private and secure within our little neighborhood tribe. After all, this information was private, and we were sworn to keep it secure so it didn't get exploited in the wrong hands. Nowadays, my private information has expanded beyond that little group of bike-riding marauders and now sits available on all my electronic devices. And that makes me feel pretty uneasy, especially after having my phone and personal accounts hacked and taken advantage of. The reality for you and me is our laptops are never really off. Our phones hold our entire lives, including family and work, and everything from credit cards to passports contain RFID. All of this effectively makes those little items little snitches. And this makes us all vulnerable to having our digital lives stolen. It's time to put a stop to that. And this is where Silent comes in. That's S-L-N-T. Silent offers a range of sleek RFID-blocking wallets, EDC Faraday bags, travel gear, laptop sleeves, and key fob cases with the added protection of their patented Silent Pocket Faraday cage technology. This elite signal-blocking technology is the easiest way to instantly enhance your peace of mind around how your mobile devices are screwing your digital life up. My personal favorites are the Silent Faraday phone and laptop sleeve. They give me peace of mind by allowing me to completely disconnect from anything incoming and or outgoing, including things that can negatively impact my financial, physical, psychological, and emotional health. So if you're looking for a solution to reclaiming your personal privacy, security, and health, go check out silent.com. That's S-L-N-T.com. You can follow them at GoSilent on Instagram and Twitter, and then use the code IRONSIGHTS at checkout for an exclusive discount. I want to tell you about Bioprotein Plus. It doesn't matter who you are, guys. It doesn't matter how you train, how good you eat. It's happening to all of us. Our HGH human growth hormone, the master hormone responsible for our workout recovery, our performance, our metabolism, and even our libido, it starts to go down. So that's where Bioprotein Plus comes in. It's the first of its kind non-synthetic alternative to prescription HGH hormone treatments. So how does that work? Well, you can get all the benefits of HGH without any of the needles, side effects, or irritating or annoying annoying doctor visits. Best part is BioPro Plus, well, it works super fast, it's easy to use, and it's 100% safe. So here's what else you should know. If you listen to the show, then you know I'm pretty particular about what I put into my body. I understand the science behind the stuff, and having had my own experiences over the years, I wanted to find out a little bit more about it. So the BioPro Plus team sent me a 30-day supply. Super easy to do. It's liquid formula for the night, and the morning, I hold the stuff under my tongue for about 90 seconds, and then I go ahead and swallow it. That's it. Here's what happened. Right away, quality of my sleep, better. My libido, through the roof. Recovery from my workouts was dramatically cut down, and my overall sense of well-being was markedly different. And we're talking this happened within days, not weeks. The bottom line, this is the only change I made in my diet. I didn't change my workouts, and my lifestyle during this little personal experiment is exactly the same as it was, and I feel fucking amazing. All this with no needles, no prescriptions, and no weird shit to worry about like when using exogenous hormones or anabolics. And if you know, you know. 
Remember, this stuff is completely legal and totally safe. So if you want to fix the way you perform, look, and feel, go to www.bioproteintech.com or you can follow them at bioproteintech. When you get there, make sure to use code IRONSIGHTS for $30 off your order. Welcome to Iron Sights After Dark. During my 25 plus years in the fitness industry, I've always been passionate about expanding my physical, mental, and hard skills to be prepared for whatever life might throw at me. From fitness to firearms and beyond, taking a holistic approach to being prepared has led me on a journey to seek and share both knowledge and skills from expert resources in the civilian, LEO, military, and first responder communities. The mission of this podcast is to help others expand their capabilities and knowledge of preparedness while building strength in the community that shares similar goals and values. So ultimately, we contribute together and grow together. Dylan Vensky. Yes, sir. Welcome to the Iron Size Podcast. Thank you for having me. My it's dude. awesome to be here. Um, thanks for being patient with the setup here and driving all the way in from uh, your location to be here with me today. I'm super stoked. Yeah, it's, I, I'm excited. It's awesome. Never <laughs> done one of these, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so that's first time for everything. It's funny. People come come onto the show and they're like, you know, they're all nervous and, and whatever. You've been very cool, calm, collected. I wouldn't have expected any different out of you, but, but uh, I know how kind of the nerves can kind of get rattled. So It's, it's the lights. <laughs> I know it's a little obnoxious, isn't it? No, yeah. it is. But it's, if it makes if it makes us look better, that's what matters. Yeah, that's that's all that matters. I mean, looking good <laughs> is ninety eight percent of all this. Um, so right now we are sitting in Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah, we are at the Elite U training facility. This place is awesome. Thanks to Ruben, uh, the owner here, for setting us up. And we happen to be sitting in a section of the gym that Dan, the hitman Moret uses to train some clients. Yeah, He's offered it up for us today. So we're kind of sitting here. So if you're out there watching, that's where we are right now. It's a little bit of a different set and we're on the headsets and there's stuff happening. There's some pro athletes out in the other room training right now. They're hooting and hollering. So if you hear that in the background, that's what's up. It's a real place. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> Work that, is getting done. That's an interesting thing. And I, I, I would, we're going to have Dan on later, but you know what I've, been in this business a long time when you walk into a place uh in the coaching business you just you can immediately immediately within seconds just know uh this is a very professional facility yep they mean business here they like to have a lot of fun but at the end of the day it's about uh making athletes better yep. getting them better and sending them on their way it's a it's a cool group of folks here so thanks again to ruben here yeah, it's um, very nice very professional like respectful it was just awesome walking in here right off right off the bat it's clean yeah. like everybody's friendly clients you can feel it's a good vibe yeah so uh, if you're in scottsdale come check out elite you uh over um on the north side here it's awesome um let's jump right into this man All so right. so here's the thing so i knew i was coming out here and for a long time i've been trying to get with a few folks from um the rogue methods crew right and you happen to be one of those guys um uh raul martinez has been extremely elusive with me <laughs> and one of these days i'm gonna wrangle him and we're gonna make it happen but you know when i i talked to him this year i was like i really would like to get with your guys to talk to them about the place that you guys are coming from and understand who the characters and the individuals are within the group right because i have really been impressed with the business the business model how it's been handled but more importantly i had an opportunity to train with some of the guys um, in the past and then being an onlooker to see some of the training that was happening. And, um, and it's unique. Um, and 
I think what makes it very unique, uh, I don't think you can put those two words together, very and unique, but I think what makes it unique is <laughs> the people behind it right. and kind of their backgrounds and where, they, where they've come from. So that's why you're here today. Uh, <laughs> gr- Raul graciously offered you up. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my lamb. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, um, that's, that's a big part with Raul, right, is our team is about our values, our morals. Um, and then people whose heart is true. So like everybody on the team, like, you know, their reason for being here is they legit just want to help. You know, they don't, there's, we try to avoid anybody with egos because we don't need that. That doesn't help anyone. Mm-hmm. So it's about just being, just be humble, you know, have strong morals, values, family, like be, be what a man's supposed to be. And <laughs> Sounds like a simple formula. It really is. I know. It seems like a simple formula, but so often we come across people that really struggle in those different aspects of being ethical, being moral, wanting to help, providing value without some level of or sort of expectation on the back end. This is a business at the end of the day, but yeah, and I just think people have a have a little bit of a tough time balancing that against the other things. Well, I mean, like, I mean, for us, like, for our team, I mean, we're family. I mean, it's it's a family. It's like. And you have, you have to fit into the family to be on the team, you know? Um, and that, I really feel like just being the, the honesty and stuff is just honest and strong values is really what sets us apart. As, I, that's the formula. <laughs> I, I would agree. Uh, and I, I think if you've ever felt that feeling, you know that feeling. And that's kind of how I, you know, approach life and business as well. You got to keep your circle pretty tight and you have to be, if you're, a leader, and hopefully what I've seen in those circles is that you're empowered to be a leader. You're very uh, critical, but not in a gatekeepy kind of way. And I think that's actually gotten a bad, uh, a negative term. But let me say this. I, you have to be very careful about let, who you let into your circle because yes. people can be very, it can be very cancerous to the vibe, right? And to Absolutely. the culture. And I think that's one of the interesting things, again, which is why I wanted to talk to you uh, about you in general to find out more about you okay. uh, and, and how you kind of wound up in this, in this thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and th- there's a lot of things, but let's, let's just kind of, st- I'll stop right there and just kind of go back. Like, I'm just going to ask this question. I, I, well, maybe it's not even a question. I just, from what I've gathered from you, from the outside looking in, and I've never trained with you, we've never been on the range together or on right. the mats together, or anything like that. Is that you're just a dude that loves to shoot. <laughs> that, that is yeah. honestly, that is the best way. That is the best way of putting it. I just, I love shooting. I love guns. And, uh, I mean, that's, it's my favorite pastime. So if I can make my favorite pastime, if I can help others just by doing something I love to do, you know, why not <laughs> do it? <laughs> I think that's the dream, right? That everybody <laughs> wants and says they want to do. It's also work, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, that saying of, you know, um, do the thing you love for work and you'll never work another day in your life. That it's bullshit. Like there's, it's total bullshit for those out there that have been following that little, little saying, you'll find out real fast if you really do that. But let's start back in the beginning. Like, how did this start for you? Like, let's t- tell me a little bit about your background. You know, where'd you grow up? Like, yeah, well, how'd I mean, you get here? I'm just gonna start from like when I was like that big. Start wherever you all want. Right. You can finish wherever you want. You just have to be, this is what I tell all my guests. You have to be patient with me because I might interrupt or time out to get some detail on some that's, of that stuff as, as we go. <laughs> that's fine. Um, okay. So yeah, a bit about me. Uh, Dylan Vinsky. Um, I grew up in California, actually. I grew up in Southern California, um, Canyon Country, Valencia area. Yeah. yeah so okay. I grew up out there and uh, my dad 
is a big shooter. So he was a uh, he was a champ back in the day for sporting clays and uh, skeet and trap and anything to do with the shotgun. If it if it flied, it died. Okay. <laughs> my my dad is a was a phenomenal shooter. So I grew up with guns. Um, when I was four years old, I remember my dad crushing you know Pepsi cans and stuff. And I had my little Red Rider BB gun, and he'd throw them up in the air, and then I'd shoot the can, and that's what we did every night when I was with my dad. And uh, so that just developed my passion for guns. When I was five years old, I had my first shotgun. I was out there duck hunting with my dad. Awesome. It was, it was a little single shot 410. It was awesome. My dad had like had to have the barrel cut and the stock cut mm-hmm. and everything for me to fit mm-hmm. my little body. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so just grew up with it and because my dad did that we i mean we had all the pistols we had rifles my dad would love varmint hunting deer hunting you know uh anything like that so grew up with guns um as a kid uh and going into my teenage years like i knew how to i knew how to handle a pistol but i used to shoot like weaver stance you know Mm -hmm. and uh we'd go to the range and could shoot and all that but when i became uh yeah, younger teenager, my younger teenage years, uh, because my dad was in the sporting clays and he was sponsored by Pure Gold at that time. And I think Rio Shotgun Shells or Musa, he, he was always sponsored by somebody. Um, so I'd go go to competitions with him. I, I won some some big matches as a kid for okay. like sub junior and stuff. Oh, which, so you got right into it. Yeah. So, I mean, I won some stuff for shotgun and all that. And I can't remember which club we were at, but we were at a, um, a, a match in california and we're going around and we're shooting our stages or and stuff for uh, i think it was a feet i think it was feet toss but they had pistol bays and i see these guys running around like right. you know just crushing and i see these open guns and stuff and i think at the time it was ipsic i don't know I was, I was a kid and i remember like taking the card over because I was, I was done shooting for the day and just watching these guys just run around. I'm like, that looks like so much fun. Mm-hmm. Right. And I knew since the time I was a kid that I wanted to join the military. Okay. And I'm like, that looks like a practical skill to have. Mm-hmm. And because I grew up with shotguns and stuff, I was just kind of bored with it. Yep. Right. I like, get that. I was just kind of bored with it. And I remember like we finished our match or whatever and driving home. And I was like, dad, like, did you see those guys like shooting pistol? Right. And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to shoot shotguns. I want to do what they were doing. <laughs> how do you, how do you receive that? I, th- I think it was a proud dad moment for him. Like, honestly. Right? Oh, that's awesome. Because I mean, like he, he exposed me to all this stuff, but then he was seeing what I wanted to follow. Right. So I think it was more proud. I mean, I, obviously he was like, man, I want my, you know, to be a, on the Olympic team for shotgun shooting and stuff, but that, that's not what I wanted to do. Um, I mean, I, I was good enough at it. I liked it. I can, I can still pick up a shotgun and, and rip some targets, but it just wasn't my thing. So how long before, from that conversation at the time you did your first competition, like less than mm. a week? <laughs> no. So it, it, I mean like, so back then, right. We did YouTube and it, it just wasn't what wasn't it is. Thing, yeah. But because my dad gave shotgun lessons all the time, he knew this individual named Mike Dalton and Mike Dalton is end up being the creator of steel challenge. Okay. And he was like, Hey, like, I know that you, you shoot com- competitively, you know, pistol, like you have the steel challenge thing or whatever. My son wants to get into it. So how do we get into it? How fortunate. So yeah. what happened is my dad traded lessons, shotgun lessons, um, I believe for pistol lessons. And this is back. Like, I mean, Mike Dolan shot for Les Bear at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, we grew up in 1911. So of course we got a couple of 1911s, a couple, uh, I had a thunder ranch 
West Bear. Wow. And then my dad had a premiere too. And then we went out to the range and Mike Dalton exposed us to Steel Challenge. And that's the only competition that I knew at the time. Um, we went out to Piru. It used to be a it was Piru Shooting Club. It's like California Tactical Academy or something. Yeah, that's exactly what it is now. But yeah. that, I mean, that was like 45 minutes from my house. It was, mm-hmm. it, it was the coolest place on the world. And you just drive down, you got like, it was like miles of ranges. It's just, it had everything. So we'd go to the very back and he exposed us to Steel Challenge. And that's where the addiction happened. It was like, <laughs> Bang, you hit the plate, and then I miss, you know, bang. And it was just like, okay, well, how do I hit that now? Right. And, um, yeah, within a month, I mean, it was shooting local matches. Um, I think that year, with my first year, it was like seven months later or whatever. That's when I took a second or third for Worlds. Wow. For Worlds Still Challenge, yeah. How old are you? 14, something like that? Oh. Younger? At, 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 at that time, man. 16, okay. 17, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think around 16. Okay, okay. 15, 16, I, I don't know. I can't, can't remember. It's been so long. But yeah, so, I mean, my dad was cranking out 45s. Uh, I mean, we were shooting like 800 rounds a week, I, or I was shooting 800 or 1,000 rounds a week. So you're reloading. Yeah. Yeah, we were, gotcha. I wasn't reloading. My dad was reloading. <laughs> <laughs> and he was cleaning the guns and everything. <laughs> uh, but it was, a, it was a full-time job. Um but my dad was recovering from that time from one of his back surgeries. And uh, so we had the time to do it and we got some great father bonding time. And Outstanding. Yeah, I, I grew up with my parents separated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, key moments like that with my dad, was, was, it was special. I mean, like, I'll have those memories till the day I die. Yeah, you know, I grew the same way for me. I, I did, my parents are still together. I don't, you know, it's, it's actually very uncommon, I think. They're still together after over 50 years. Um, it's gross how much they care for one another whatever. <laughs> I don't know how they do it for this long but the, the point of that is is like I remember the key moments spending time with my mom and my dad at different different times whether it was fishing shooting right. camping hiking going to the beach on the weekends my mom was a nurse worked worked graveyards and uh, so on the weekends she'd work like every other weekend she'd sleep so dad would take us up to the beach same beach every time and I, I remember at times thinking um, God, we're going to the beach again. But then after a while, especially back looking back now, how valuable that time yep. that time was for us. So I, I totally get it. And I think that's another interesting uh, piece just with how firearms bring fathers and sons together. It really does. And, you know, people look at it as kind of a weird thing sometimes. We're almost looked at as, as I think just firearms in general, looked at it weirdly by, by, by a lot of folks, but they don't recognize how that's part of growing up for so many people. Yep. And, you know, it's not about, it's not all about self-defense all the time. It's about having fun. It's about competition, it's about learning life lessons. It's about learning skills and failing and succeeding and, yep. and all those kind of things. Just like uh, any sport, any academia, it, it, anything. It's exactly the same. Like in that sense, it's just, is that what you like to do? You know, and you, some people like baseball. Well, I like shooting. <laughs> yeah. I know. I said, well, how come you need so many guns? How come you need so many pairs of shoes? Right. You know, like. I don't even need to answer that right. question. It's my right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, all right. So, man, so, so you were doing, you've just done nothing but shooting, which explains, <laughs> and I don't mean that in, in an insulting way, that's, that explains why when I see you, you're, you are having so much fun. I mean, you are, you obviously take it very seriously, but at the same time, I can see the joy in it when, when I watch, when I can see you yeah. on film and, and doing it, like you're smiling, you're having a great time. It's very natural for you. It's yeah. just, it's almost like a part of who you are now. Well, yeah. And all like the best people I've met in my life besides the military, hmm. right. have come from the shooting world. Hmm. 
I mean, my best friend in this day is Hunter, you know, Hunter Constantine and he's a GM. Yeah. He just took what third at area two yeah, last we, week or whatever. People listen to the show know who Hunter, or yeah. Hunter is. I'm sure. Yeah. He's uh, and it's just, I have the best friends from it. Um, and then like one of my buddies, uh, one of my other best friends, Eric Carlo, he's a, was a 10 pilot. He retired out. Right. And, uh, Every time we have time off, like what match are we going to go shoot? Right. And then, but that's when you, that's like our hangout time yeah, too. Yeah. Cause then you drive up to the match and you go shoot. And, but so I get to hang with my bros, but we're doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not sitting around drinking beer or mm-hmm. whatever. Like we're doing something where we're competitive and we're trying, both of us are trying to improve and, you know, encourage one another. It's, it's just an awesome environment. You know, you alluded to something there just a second ago. Uh, just, I know there's a military career there. You sort of, I think you mentioned that. Can, yeah. we, can we talk about that? What yeah. that, what that uh, look like? So I, I was, uh, what I joined uh, 2012, 2012, got out 18, did six years. Um, I was on an 18 x-ray contract. Um, when I was in selection, I didn't, didn't make it. Um, I got dropped, uh, for a, uh, psyche, my psyche valve. Okay. Um, it was for my interview. So I remember the psyche valve and I remember taking it and I'm like, Oh, it was like the, one of those 800 question tests, or whatever. I'm like, yeah, they asked the same question 18 <laughs> times. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, just oh, this is easy. different ways. I'm yeah. like, yeah, you just asked the same question. So whatever. Right. I, it got me flagged. Got it. And then uh, the interviewer and myself did not get along from the moment. It's not the first time I've heard of this. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll never forget. And like now that I was younger, I think I was well, at that time, <laughs> 20, 23, maybe 23 when I was in selection. Yeah. So I was younger, right? And, uh, you know, cocky, like I knew what I wanted to do. I just, I guess I didn't have the maturity and stuff, but I walked in there and this guy was such a jerk. Mm. He like throws down this freaking this file with papers and shit. And, uh, he was like, you had shitty parenting like, or whatever. And I'm like, okay. And then like the whole conversation then went off, uh, into he'd bring up some questions. And I remember him asking, uh, or I, I would ask, I'd be like, can you be more specific? Like, because I don't want to give a broad answer. I want to answer you directly because I know that, you know. This is important. Yeah, this is important. Right. And he's like, for someone that's supposed to be pretty smart, you're pretty stupid. Mm. And that's when I was like, okay. You know, like, I hate this dude. <laughs> do, do you think looking back, like, this was, this was like a test? Yes. This was part of it, 100%. You yeah. just weren't reading it at the time. Yeah. Correct. And, and I, you let I, him get the better yeah, of you. He, he, was, he used to be, uh, found out, was a CIA interrogator. Yeah, so he controlled the room. I, yeah. I, I, I was just a dumb kid right. in there. Right. And, uh, and I was like, okay. So I'm like, I'm pretty stupid now. And I remember, it was like the next question. He was like, what's, so in your words, explain to me the mission of special forces and I'll never forget. And I was like, D-A-S-U-T-U-W. And he's like, whoa, whoa, stop. He's like, what are you saying? I was like, well, for someone that's as smart as you, I think you understand what a fucking acronym is. <laughs> <the> notes, yeah. <laughs> and so then he looked at me. Yeah. And then it went into something else about, about my mom and I told him to go fuck himself. Yeah. And okay. next thing I know, I was dropped from selection. Right. Big surprise. Um, yeah, I failed my psyche valve. <laughs> Big surprise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stupid, right? But, so what happens next? Well, I mean, I was broken, right? I was crushed. But because I, was my, I wanted to be a Green Beret, that's all I wanted to do. But that wasn't going to happen. So luckily, because I was an 18 x-ray program, um, I was infantry already. Mm-hmm. And then I was airborne qualified and home at Bragg. So they moved me right over the 82nd. And I remember being... I've been so like angry and disappointed that I'm like, oh, I'm going to be regular infantry. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, I went over to uh Seco 2508. We were fourth brigade combat team at that time. And fourth brigade combat team was just, they were only stood up for times of war. Like all these guys did was train, deploy, train and deploy. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what my dress blues looked like after I graduated basic for like mm-hmm. 
I think three years. And I was like, oh man, how do I put these ribbons and stuff on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And uh, I got over there and you know what? I would have, I would have loved to gone back to selection because selection was so much easier. In your deal. mind at that point? Oh, yeah. it was so much easier. No, physically. Oh, okay. And, and mentally. It, selection was easier than dealing with these freaking NCOs that I had in these. I mean, they were just a bunch of brutal just killers. I mean, they were they were professionals at what they did. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just, I guess that's where I became a man. And, you know, they, they shaped and formed me. Um, and it was a great time. Um, we, we, we went to Afghanistan in 13, 14. And then we came back and we transitioned to second brigade. And uh, I mean, I just had the best friends and best role models. And I earned my place. And it was like in the military. That's what I love about the military. You know exactly who someone is. You earn your place. And you, but just everyone starts at the same place. They mm-hmm. start from nowhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was awesome. I spent my all six years with Seat uh, Charlie Company 2508. Um, so. Yeah, no, it was it was great. Um, it my mindset completely changed. I was very grateful. Uh, I'm like, man, like I love being here. Um, if I could go back and do it again, I probably would have went for uh, <clears throat> Ranger Regiment. Mm-hmm. But what's like when I was in there, um, I didn't want to leave my guys. I didn't want to leave my unit. I've heard this before. Yeah, too. And, and that was the biggest thing. And I'm like, you know, like we we were a, we were a very capable, very capable infantry unit. And I was like, there's, there's no need for me to leave. Mm-hmm. But if I could go back and start it all over again, I wouldn't take that 18 X-ray. I would have taken a Ranger contract. Um, whatever happened, happened. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe like now, I think within the last four or five years, I got to the maturity where I should have went to selection then. It's interesting. It, it is like most things in life. I think a lot, well, a lot of things in life are about timing, Yeah, you know, and just where you're at. It's not that you're not ready. You're just not ready right now. Yeah. You know, or it's not that it's never going to happen. It's just not happening right now. Or if it's a no, it's a no for now. It's not a no forever, you know? Um, but well, you have to go through the journey to figure that part out. Well, I remember the cadre because like, so the, in the 18 x-ray program, they have a, what was it? Sopsy? No, it was SFPC at the time. A special Forces Preparation Course. Okay. And, but you got SFPC hold and that's hell. That's literally hell because they got all these, you know, Guys, that candidates that want to be Green Berets, and they're the cadre's job. These SF dudes, their job is to get you in shape, but they're not nice. They're very mean people. <laughs> and I remember, like, so it's like three day CrossFit workouts, right? So if you've never done CrossFit, like, you're like, what? A uh, hundred burpee pull ups, you know, right. or in handstand push ups. I never did any of that. So it's like <clears throat> you you learn all this stuff, but th- they would hold us, right? And they'd be like, these exercises aren't stopping until we have ten quitters. And you're like, and then here you are with all guys that had the same goal and right. dream as you. Nobody's quitting. And everybody's, oh no, they quit. Mm. And, but everybody's just in shit. You know, everyone's extremely everybody's fit. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, fit. oh no. This is going to go on for yeah. a while. <laughs> this yeah. is going to hurt. And then they'd get their quitters or they'd have so many heat strokes and then they'd, they'd quit. <laughs> no, it was, it was By awful. By default. Yeah. yeah. No, like my, my worst experience that ruined me for life. Um, I still fight this to this day was we had a cat, one of our cadre take us for a run in June. But we had to wear full summer PTs, and then we had to wear full winter PTs. So beanie, glove, everything in the middle of freaking June. And it took us, it was like an eight-mile run. I, I had heat stroke like four miles into it. And I remember we were doing buddy carries up this, uh, this, this hill. It was down a power line road. And it was just, hey, you know, here's a hill. We can have, have guys do buddy carries up it. And we're doing buddy carries. And I remember 
just kind of like waking up. The lights went out, yeah. Yeah, just kind of like waking up and I, I see this cadre screaming at me. I see him. I don't hear him because I'm, I don't know what's going on. And I see guy, like I see this guy looking at me. He's all worried. And I see people carrying him up. So I just grabbed him and I continue carrying him up the hill. I'm like, I assume this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. And then uh, we start running back because that was the turnaround point after that. And uh, I collapsed again. But one of my best friends, um, uh, Jake Whitworth, he, uh, <clears throat> he stayed back. We were together and he picked me up. And like I, at this time, like my vision was gone. Like I'm seeing like black and white. Every, every, everything's cramped. I'm like in excruciating pain. He's like, dude, if you want to make it, you got to keep running, you know? So end up running, continue running, make it back. And, uh, you know, the cadre are going off on me because I was last at that point. They're going off and trying to uh, get me to quit and all that. And I was like, we can stay here all day. I'm not quitting. Like, mm. I'll, I'd rather die than qu- quit. And yeah, then it went on. And, but that place, that place was awful. SFPC hold was terrible. Well, I think it speaks to like just the, the human condition and the suffering and p- what people will go through and kind of how they, how, they, how they manage through it and recognize how they can keep pushing to the next level. Oh, uh, yeah. And it also, I think when I hear, when I hear a story like that and I think about the people I spend time around with and kind of this genre and, and, and whatever, and then conversations I have outside of it that really don't understand it at all, that is the major separator. It's the they have no idea what really tough things are. And what you're yeah. talking about is something that's very mentally and physically tough. But I think that's what we do as humans, right? I mean, that's what we're const- we should be constantly challenged in is what's going on there. And that I think it's hard for people to relate. So you, you're just kind of going back to the, <clears throat> where if I circle this all the way back to kind of what's happened at Rogue with the family, um, you know, mentality, the no ego, the... Uh, the the morals, the values, the ethics, those kind of things. I just think in general, because you have suffered, right? And, yeah. and everybody in the group understands what that looks, feels, sounds, smells, tastes like. Yeah, exactly. It's very easy to relate. And I think there's there's gaps when I see other groups working together or, you know, where the messages get muddled because maybe not everybody has, has done that, right? So it's, it's, it's well, harder yeah. to give up the, it's, I think it's harder to find a common ground and then, then it ends up being more of like a bro conversation about stuff. And I, I think we use that term, like these are my brothers, my bros or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I mean that in a, like, it's, it's, it, it, it's very shallow. It hasn't gone to the depths that it needs to go to. And I might be kind of carrying on. People might be listening to this going, dude, where are you even going with yeah. that? <laughs> I guess th- there's not really a question. It's more of a statement of, uh, you know, when, again, going back to the story, and that there's a certain amount of suffering that I think folks have to go through in one way or another or understand in order to understand the value that's being brought to the table when you're going out on the range and hanging out with you guys or hanging out with anybody for that matter and getting training. Like, what does this really mean? Well, I mean, t- to me, you know, it's such a shock. And I think, I think the military is so great because it's, it's, such, it's such a shock because it's so easy to grow up in our cushy life now. We're not, we're not out doing warrior stuff. We're not out... I mean, mm-hmm. we're not out working the farms. I mean, you got a nice air conditioned house, you right. know, you, you go to school and you maybe play some sports and, oh, it's so difficult. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's just, it's kind of a slap in the face of like, Hey, this is what the world really is, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you learn exactly how tough you are and how tough you're not. I'd say all the time, I'm not a tough guy. I, <clears throat> I never physically said I quit, but I quit all the time. I was in my head. Like, I'm going to quit on that next step. I'm going to quit at that light pole. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 
happens. And I was like, okay, I just wouldn't say it. And I just keep going, you know? Right. right. Um, yeah. Something to be said for saying that out loud and having it manifest. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's, you, you learn exactly who you are and what you're capable of. And it's crazy how, how quickly the mind will give up before the body actually gives up. Mm. And you can be in so much pain and still keep going. It's, mm. it's pretty remarkable. But yeah, no, that's, I mean, that was just, that was the military. It's spent six years. I got out as a, uh, I was a squad leader, but I got out as a sergeant, uh, E5. Okay. Um, got in some trouble that hold back, held back my promotion. We're not going to talk about that. Okay. Um, but I got out as a squad leader, E5, um, probably the best NCO ER evaluation report I've ever seen. I was very fortunate. I had some amazing first sergeants, sergeant majors, and uh, uh, just mentors, two sergeants. And um, yeah, I got got out and moved to Arizona. Um, my my family always had a house in here in Arizona, and uh, my grandparents did. So on mm-hmm. vacations, holidays around this time of year, we, we'd always be up here. And me being a gun fanatic, I knew that uh, a little freer here. Yeah, a little yeah. freer. So came out here, and uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess I could circle back in the military. Actually, we'll, 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 let's talk a, bit, a little bit about that because that's where I found out I love teaching. Okay. okay. Yeah. So um, I was just going to ask you about the transition. So let's, yeah. let's go back. Yeah. So we're going to go, we're going to go back and this is how I got into teaching. All right. So um, military, you move up through the ranks and what do you have to do? You have to, you have to teach others, right? You got to teach the new guys. Um, when I was in Afghanistan, I was private first class. And everyone got uh, M9s, right? And uh, everyone got these M9s. And a few people knew about my shooting experience and that I had some, like, world titles and stuff under my belt. And I won, like, some rimfire stuff and that I loved handguns and all that. And I can't remember if it was my squad leader or my, my PL came up to me and was like, hey, you're going to train the entire company on M9. Oh, <laughs> okay, I am. <laughs> so like, I, I was like, okay, that's easy. I can do that. So I wrote out my little training plan and everything. And um, we were at uh, FOD Phoenix and we had, uh, we had a, I can't remember which SF group, but we had an SF group there with us and they had their own private range and everything. Okay. And uh, they let us go use it. So to train these guys on the M9, right? And so go over there and it was weird because I'm teaching NCOs, I'm teaching officers. Interesting. When... And I'm like, oh man, you're just getting beat up by those guys yeah, for the no, last like, two years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I just, these, these dudes just crush my soul, my soul every day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm nothing but an idiot, but here I am going <laughs> to, I'm going to teach you, you know? And sure enough, I'm, I'm teaching them. And I remember the, the, the team sergeant for the SF, uh, group, uh, who's a sergeant first class, last name, Daryl. And, uh, he was back there and the SF guys start coming in. Right. And like, like kind of trying to like overtake my class. And I remember I'm like, that's not right. Just from like a technique perspective or? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay. And, and, and they're like, and I remember him being like, well, who are you? And my, my sergeant was like, he's a world champion. And like, oh, is that a fact? And this, and then like literally, you know, it was bang. They're just throwing their yeah, jug gotcha. right there. Right, right, right. And uh, here we like, go. Oh, is that a fact? And like, yeah, it is. And like, okay, well, let's have a shooting competition. I was, Okay. okay. Yeah. So he, he sets <laughs> I love, up. The, I love where this is going. <laughs> he sets up his little course of fire, and so I got uh, whichever platoon I had that day. It was my very first day of teaching. So whichever platoon was with me, they were they were back, and then his his team are back, and he's like, he goes over the course of fire. I have an M nine. He has his Glock nineteen. You know, and they they put their own sights and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. So one, I'm already at a disadvantage because I got M nine. I got not long t- double action trigger pull. And it's a piece of junk, but 
It was just, not that the gun's a piece of junk. It was just I got I mean, you. When, straight, they're, when they're rotated, you it's know. straight out of the box, but yeah. it's been used five times yeah, exactly. by five other dudes. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so he's like, "Okay, champ, you know, show us how it's done." And I and I was like, "No, sorry, you want to talk shit? You show us how it's done." Mm-hmm. So he shoots the course fine. He did great. I mean, those, those guys can shoot. I mean, right. they're shooters, right? Yeah. And I went, "Okay," and everyone's like, "Oh, okay," and. Buzzer goes off and I just crush his soul. <laughs> and I look back at him and I just smile. And then his whole team and the whole, my whole platoon, whatever behind me, everyone, oh, uh, he uh, said, you know, you. <laughs> uh, and then he was like, touche, you know? And then after that, uh, I mean, those guys were all awesome. Like, hey, respectful. You know, yeah. Hey, come sit with us. You want to, no, my NCOs aren't going to catch me sitting over here, you know? Right. Um, and then, uh, so that led, that kind of got passed around. And then my battalion commander found out that I was teaching these guys on the M9 and that he had a, he had a former champion, you know, in, in his battalion. Mm-hmm. So next thing I know, hey, you're needed at the range. You're going to teach the battalion commander how to shoot pistol. Holy like, oh, shit. I'm a PFC. I'm like, okay. I get out there. There's my first sergeant loading mags. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <You know? laughs> this is all bad. All the guys, yeah. But it ended up being great. And then it was like, for months, like every week or two weeks, I'd be given the uh, battalion commander a private lesson. And that's where I realized I'm like, I like doing this. Like I was just able to help out so many people that had no clue. And it was, it was easy to do. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was easy for me to do and construct a plan and, and teach them. And that's where it started. That's, that's a really great story. <laughs> I love good stories and I'm not, I'm not usually into like the war stories, but that one's a great one, man. I love that. <laughs> that's but... just, I, it, I'll, I'll just, I'll never forget my, my song. Oh, like, you know, put me put me right out there not having everyone behind me i was i was so scared yeah and then like i mean because then here's green braids you know yeah like those guys are intimidating when you're a private you know mm-hmm. sure yeah. like you're intimidated most people but <laughs> i get it man that, what a great story so the, you, let's flash forward then like go yep. back to like the transition so you get out yeah and you you brought that up like here where did i learn to love teaching and how, to, how did i kind of learn to do that how long before you get into firearms instruction? Okay, yeah. So I got out in, uh, I got out, what, 2018, moved out here, and I have Pima Pistol Club that's really close to my house, and just started shooting local matches and getting into it. Um, and I met, I met Hunter there when Hunter was new. I, I used to smoke Hunter. Now he just, cr- <laughs> now he crushes my soul. And uh, it was funny. I didn't, I didn't like Hunter at first. I thought he was annoying. I'm like, this kid's annoying. Because I just got out of the military, you know, my mindset's a little different and stuff, and I'm a little more hard or whatever you want to call it. And then I was like, we were practicing all the time. We saw each other at the range, and then we became best friends, and we were practicing all the time, shooting matches. So some months go on. I don't know how many months, but we're really good friends, you know. And he was like, hey, dude, there, there's this uh, Fieldcraft Survival. They're going to be doing this class. Okay. Um, like, go do it with me. I won't. And I look at him like, why? You know? And he's like, oh, like, it'll be fun. Like, we'll go over some stuff. And I'm like, hey, it's been like, it's been like since a year since I did anything. Maybe, maybe I'll learn something. Maybe I'll freshen up on something. Maybe I'll remember something I forgot about. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it'll be a good experience. And I didn't even know who Phil Craft Survival was at the time. Apparently, they were really, they were really big at, training company. At the time, probably the largest training company, firearms training yep. company in the United States of America, maybe arguably the world. Yeah, right? I, I, I would say, I would say mm-hmm. so. But I was like, okay, I'll go. So we went to do uh, some pistol courses. Was it pistol and carbine? I, I don't I don't know. It was just the first day we did pistol. And uh, so Hunter and I were paired up. And Mike Glover, he, he was there that day. Um, 
and I think he had another another instructor with him. But he was he he taught the course, so I, that was a big deal. Um, I mean, people love absolutely loved it when Mike would teach a course. So he's teaching, and but I don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going through we're going through the drills. We're, we're we're listening. We're doing everything we're supposed to. And uh, he comes by our targets a couple times, and he's like, he's looking. You know, he's looking at our grouping, and he's seen that me and him are just like we're joking around, just having fun, and uh, that we're done. You know, like. On the command of fire, you hear us fire, and then we're already, like, holstering as you hear above, the rest of the line. Above average shooters, yeah. to say the least, yeah. And so he comes by, and he's like, uh, he was like, who are you guys? I'm like, oh, what's going on, sir? I'm, I'm Dylan Binsky, and Hunter's like, I'm, you know, Hunter. And uh, he's like, where did you guys learn to shoot like that? And we're like, oh, like, we're both master class shooters, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, really? Well, and then it goes on to, like, we do another drill, like, where we had to move and shoot this piece of steel. Right. And people are walking and they're learning to move and shoot and they're shooting the steel. Well, he asked for the next one. Hunter's like, he pushes me and he volunteers me. <laughs> right. Now I remember he's not expecting it. We go through and I just take off full, full sprint. Boom, 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 boom. And by the time I get to the finish line, I'm already doing a mag, I'm already doing a mag change. And he's yelling at me to slow down, but I just smoked the steel and everyone's like, what the heck, you know? And then Hunter goes up and he does the same thing. So rest of the day goes on. We finished the course and, uh, he was like, do you guys want to be instructors for me? I'm like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds fun. Like I get to teach this stuff. Like, yeah, let's, or what was, yeah, let's be instructors. He, he, he brought up, uh, I think shooting for him and being instructors. It was like, it was kind of like a combo thing. And, uh, we're like, yeah. And the next thing I knew, um, we were instructors for field craft survival, you know, and, uh, I moved on from there. And that's, that's where I met Raul. Raul was my, uh, he, he was my boss. He was the director of training. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because Raul did not like me or, uh, uh, Hunter at first because he didn't get to pick us. He was, we were just thrown to him. Like I get it a hundred percent. You know, we were thrown to him and he's like, who are these guys? Right. I don't know them. And, uh, yeah. So we taught for field craft for, I don't know, a couple of years. Wait, 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 time out, time out, time out. How did that go, though? How did Raul warm, warm up to you? How did you oh, get him to that, like I, you? I, I mean, I guess just natural progression. Um, he, You know, at first, like, he had, like, this look, and he'd look at me very... Raul's got a few looks. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he has that look. But, no, um, so, uh, JJ, uh, uh, Joel Marks, right? So, as I, I think JJ Marks on Instagram. Uh, he, was, he, he mentored me, so I taught a few classes with him where he was primary and I got to see how got it. they run it and stuff. And then Raul would be there and coaching, right? He'd be like, Dylan, I need you to teach this, or I need, I need this from you. I need you to pick up the pace. I need you to slow it down here. Mm-hmm. Whatever I was doing wrong. Right. And he was mentoring me to be better. And so we did that. I don't know how many times, but quite a few times. And then, then um, next thing I know, I was on the road running classes myself. And uh, it was just, it was an incredible opportunity. Um, got, to, got to teach some amazing people, um, meet some amazing people, make some friends out of it. And yeah, so then Raul, he, he, broke, uh, he broke out and uh, he started his own thing. Um, I love Fieldcraft. They're just, they're just, it wasn't for me anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just leave it at that. It these, wasn't, these it wasn't things for me. happen in business. People yeah. move on. It wasn't for me anymore. Um, still got some amazing friends over there. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't for me. But I still love teaching, and this is when uh, Raul started Rogue Methods, right? And uh, 
I mean, it was cool. Like, especially like I, I love the beginning, like seeing what it was at the beginning to like what it's changed into the evolution. Yeah. yeah, well, because he, he he's he's always changing it. Like he's always making it better, evolving. Yeah, evolving it. And uh, so he started off with with that, and I guess he got to a point where, um, you know, he had a big enough following and group that wanted classes from him, and that were asking about firearms that he thought he should bring firearms into it. And I think enough people asked him. Wait, hold on. What was he teaching? What? What? Uh, the close contact gunfighter. Okay, so, so that. Yeah. Okay. So let's come back to that. Okay, gotcha. So people were asking about firearms instruction. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming you know he just got to a place and he he got sick of people asking him like, hey, when's Dylan going to teach? When's Dylan going to teach? And um, once he could, once he was at the capability to have firearms included, um, I believe myself and Joel were the very first two he asked to join his team. Without hesitation, I was like, yes. Hmm. And uh, the rest is history. Yeah, the, the rest is history. Yeah, I think the, uh, let's go back to the to the close contact gunfighter stuff because I think that's really where I'll always put a lot of focus or mm-hmm. lot, let me just put this this way because I, I think he, he looks at it as the team, right? You guys have put your focus, Rogue Methods focus into that, that class in terms of what people see. Oh. But my experience has been my experience has been it's a lot more than just what people see. And I hope people kind of get that from this interview, that it's not just that close contact gunfighter course. Um, it, in terms of what you see on video, maybe on Instagram right. or whatever, it's, that's a very, there are a lot of pieces to it and you're seeing a very specific piece. Yeah. Right. So what you'll see, you'll see a bunch of people popping up that are trying to teach the same thing, but what really sets Raul and, and I believe his team apart is their ability to break something down and to articulate what they need done, right? Not just how to do it, but the why. That's very important. Um, so you, you'll just see stuff on Instagram, but you won't hear what mm-hmm. Raul, for instance, is explaining yep. and how he's explaining it. And then you're like, but when you're in the class, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, think it's, I think it's important. <laughs> I think it's important that we get, you know, that the, the People, I think people are, are starting to hear it more where like, hey, you only heard a snippet of it. Mm-hmm. You can you can assume all the things you want to assume about what you think he said or what he was talking yep. about or whatever else and get into the comment section and any number of things. Yeah, I actually think, you know, the interesting part about like what, what uh, Rogue Methods is doing is people don't generally get involved in there because at this point with those types of comments or well, let me just say negativity or, or, you know, kind of the weird stuff, you're always going to have that. Like that's just part of playing the game on, on social media. But I think people are finally sort of aware, like you're not leaving me much to work with here. I either like it or I don't. If I feel compelled to know more then I should go take a class. Yep. Let's be honest. That's what Instagram is, right? We're promoting the business. Yeah. Uh, and w- when you get there, you will realize that there is quite a bit more to it than, you know, what you're seeing. Yeah, I mean, what, I mean like from the that. surface, right? From the surface, it just looks like another course, mm-hmm. right? And, but that's part of the advertisement. I'm mean, like, it's Instagram. It, it's, it's exactly it's, what it's, it is. It's Instagram. It's not it's Instagram. It's not real. It's mm-hmm. Instagram. And it's part of the advertisement. Um, but I think the reviews and stuff, like you just, if you go on and you look at something, look at the reviews. Right. The reviews speak speak for themselves. Uh, there's a lot, and there's a lot of consistency in that. It's not something that, you know, it's just kind of a fad and started six months ago and we'll see where this is six right. months. It's, it's now been years, yep. multiple years of this and it's, it's fairly well established. So maybe talk a little bit, you know, without, 
you know, going through the entire curriculum, I would never want to do that anyway. Right. That would be boring for people <laughs> listening. You should go if you want to learn about it. Right. But talk about the curriculum beyond that, like okay. with the firearms training and kind of what you're doing. So <clears throat> the biggest thing to me, right, is I, let's just go back. So I see, I see a lot of great shooters out there that will never become better because they don't understand how to practice. I see them just doing the same thing over and over again. And they have the potential to be better, but they won't get better because they don't know how to practice. Mm -hmm. So a big thing for me when I'm teaching a class, I'm taking you through grip, right? Vision, um, your stance. Uh, Things people would expect. Everything you expect. But I try to tell you how to improve it. I want, you, I, I want to give you the tools so as soon as I'm gone, as soon as we're not at the range, that you can go back and you'd be like, okay, this is how I isolate my grip. This is how I isolate my grip. This is what I just need to work on. This is what I need to work on to improve that. So I see a lot of people that go on their practice, right? Like they, they practice a course of fire. They practice a, a stage. Dr- a drill. Right, yeah. a, a, a drill. Well, it's, that's great at times, but it's not, isolate, not isolating the specific skill you want. If you want to just practice, if you need to get faster at mag changes, guess what? That's the only thing you need to practice is mag changes. If you want to understand how to manage recoil, you don't need to be drawing the gun and throwing these extra steps in there where it's going to screw up your grip and everything. You need to learn, just load up a mag, press the gun out, really think, make that mind connection, a mind-body connection, press the trigger and feel that recoil impulse and get used to it. See what the sights are doing. See, see what behavior you know, the gun is having. And you need to learn to isolate each skill at a time. Hmm. And then once you master everything, that's when everything kind of comes together and you're like, oh, wait, I can, I can shoot well. But it's like, you'll see people shooting slow all the time, right? Well, there's only one way to learn to shoot fast. You mm-hmm. got to shoot fast. Mm-hmm. That means you got to fail. So when I practice, um, when, when I, well, I used to practice this last year, I've, I've really kind of, I only shoot really matches now um, in this last year because I've been focused on something else. But when I was practicing for a major, right? It's real simple. <clears throat> I would start off with whatever I'm like, hey, today I'm working on transitions, okay? So I'd set up my little course and I'd be like, what's the speed I can do this at consistently every time perfectly? Okay. So I take mental note of that. Okay. Then I go through and I'm like, what's the fastest my body can do it but where I'm not getting my hits? Okay, I take mental note of that. Okay. Now... I got this time at one extreme and this time at one extreme. Now, how do I get those closer? Close the gap. Mm-hmm. And then I would close that gap. And then I'd be like, okay, I left now today better. I'd practice uh, just 25 yards, just 25-yard target. If you can shoot iron size 25 yards all day and get your zeros, anything else inside of that? Looks it gets like, a lot easier. It, it gets a lot easier. Like, yeah. oh, man, 12 yards, that's not scary. You know, and then you start ripping the gun. Um, yes, you don't see a lot of videos of people shooting a tw- shooting their pistol at 25 yards. No. They really like that six and seven yard stuff, though. Yeah. Well, because c- c- you don't need to use sights. Well, it's interesting. Like, you, just going back, it's in, no, I don't think it's that interesting. You talked about people, they don't know how to practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't, they don't, I think what it comes down to, and this is a lot of things in life, is they choose not to focus on the things that they're really not that good at because they don't want to look at that as a problem. So they're constantly overcompensating to work around um, something that they're not that good at. And maybe it's because they don't know how to break it down. I I don't know. I I think that's part of it, but I I honestly, I just feel like they don't know. You know, there's, um, there's not a lot of people just putting out that information of this is how I practice. This is how I've got to be so good. 
you know, as good as I am, when you're one of these pros like uh, Neil Johnson, like, you know, Christian, you, uh, JJ, you don't see their daily practice routine. Right. So if you've never seen that and, and, you're, and no one's telling you how to do it, how are you supposed to emulate that? That's a good point. So it's very important to me when I teach a class, I tell the students how to practice. Well, we're doing this cone drill and on like, for instance, on Instagram, right? You'll see like us running a cone drill and they're just those little like Amazon cones. And you're like, oh, they're running up and they're shooting the target and then they're running back. Looks mm -hmm. like any other cone drill. That's not what I'm working on. I'm working, <clears throat> I'm having the students work on their situational awareness and their body, right? So what you'll see if you watch any of those videos is that my foot hits that cone every time. Mm -hmm. And then I press the trigger. And then I'm running back and I stop on the cone while still staying focused down range. And then I, I break my shots. The, the reasoning behind that is I think situational awareness and our vision to see is that's, that's the number one tool in shooting. 100%. Okay. So we have these courses designed around uh, self-defense, right? Be better at shooting, but like, hey, if you need to use your gun in self-defense. These things are important. Yeah. These things are important. Well, why is this important? Well, this, if, I, if you can remember where that cone is and you can land your foot on it, guess what? You can remember exactly where that corner is to get behind that cover mm -hmm. or that concealment. You can run back and be like, oh, uh, I know that, uh, that freezer or whatever was right there. And I can instinctively run back to it and get to it while still staying focused on what I need to be focused on. Um, so that, that's, that's huge, actually, in, in, uh, when I teach a course. Yeah, so there's, again, it's, there's a lot of shooting happening like we're putting rounds down range but there's a lot of other things happening in the in the background that you're not going to see or hear and again like i well, think i think for whatever reason and I, I don't think this is a i mean so if i go to like the rogue methods you know website i'm going to see any number of different courses it's not all close contact gunfighters right. just what you see and you know i hear you know and i talk to people that think that's all you guys do like it's they, they, they think all we do is uh, all you're doing contact. is close contact gunfighter because for whatever reason they're not seeing anything else or what really you know, caught their, their attention was, you know, the, the, the scrum happening around the blue gun or, or whatever else. That's just my experience. I'm not saying that's what everybody thinks. I just see a lot of that. And that's why I wanted you to walk through that is just like, yeah, what are they doing? I go, they do all kinds of stuff. And they're, there's very skilled, well, very, very skilled set of guys there. It's supposed to complement <laughs> the close contact gunfire. Right. You, you can see like I, on my Instagram, I have like one of my little fights when they first started. Right. But what's really unique, if you watch the video, you'll see me like, <clears throat> I get behind the guy and you'll see me grab the gun out of the dirt without looking at it. I flip it in the air, catch it. And then, you know, I try to use the SIM gun. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, it was out of battery tap and then right. it's over. But it's like, wait, you were in this, the scary situation where your adrenaline stuff's going through the roof and you see a, a guy be able to flip the gun, catch it. Like that shows complete confidence. There's something else going on There's, there. Yeah that shows complete confidence with a firearm and it needs to be, um, an extent of you, right? Um, it just needs to be an extension of your body. So we try to in the firearms courses, like, Hey, like we want you to be that level of comfortable with these tools, because if you need that tool, you're going to need to be comfortable. A anything could happen. Anything yeah. could happen. Right. And you know, like <clears throat> what's big in our class too, is like, we hold you accountable for accuracy, right? Like, so, I mean, we'll, we'll take it out to like 70 yards you know, mm -hmm. 80 yards, however far that we can get on a range. Like, how, how far can you shoot? Well, why, why would you want to do that? Well, times have changed. You're no longer just worried about going to your car and getting carjacked, right? Mm -hmm. 
No, I'm worried about being uh, in my grocery store at Walmart. Now, if you right. think from corner to corner, how far is that? Right, right, right. Yeah. Right? And I'm worried about some dude in there with a freaking AR and body armor. Right. Now, can you make that shot if you have to, to preserve your life or someone else's life? So why wouldn't you shoot distance? Like well, You better try. You better at least test yourself. Yeah. Right, yeah. And not everybody has that opportunity. So when they come to a class, you're going to give them that opportunity because their range is indoor. It's 25 yards only, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. there's there's opportunities beyond what would be in the typical class curriculum, right? And you're going to mold it and adjust it to the environment that you're in, the students that you're in front of, and obviously whatever flexibility or that you guys can have. And that's what I watched happen when I, when I've been there is just to, to understand how the flow goes. Yeah. There's, there's things we need to get covered as long as we may move over here a little bit to get some of that covered. And we might have some flexibility to come way back over here to do this over here. All the curriculums gets delivered, but not every class is exactly the same. No, and, and it can't be right. Because as an instructor and as an instructor or as a teacher, whatever, you, you have to read your audience. So if you got a bunch of skilled, skilled guys that are already good at this, why focus on that? Yeah, ramp it up. Yeah, ramp it up. Let's do something. I want to work on which you're not really confident with, right? I, I want to, let's move on. Like, we don't need to just go through this just because it's the check the block. No, that's, that's not, that's not how you get, have a good class. So how, so just with the classes and all the things, like how are you managing that? Like through, um, I mean, you were mentioning, you know, Raul kind of expanding things and, you know, having to scale the business and, get new, get, get guys involved. You guys have a whole team. How does your, how does your travel schedule look? How you, how you manage this so stuff? I, I took a step back, um, from being like trying to teach all the firearms courses and everything like that. Um, I'm currently in the process for my dream job. Okay. And Raul, but Raul was tracking and I was like, Hey, like I could be leaving as fast as everything was going. I could be leaving in a month. I could be leaving in two months. It, okay. could, be, it could be a year. So we need to have other guys on the team. And, uh, I was, I was really out of shape and, I just talked with Raul. I'm like, hey, like I need to take a step back because I need to make my life dream happen. I need to get back in shape and I just need to focus on myself. And Raul being the amazing human being he is absolutely 100% encourages me. Right. You know, um, I mean, just yesterday I was going over like my run and like different stretches and stuff. And he's like, oh, make sure to do this. And I was like, smart man. <laughs> so I may have gotten a little bit of intel on you and that there was something else that you were trying to pursue. And I, that was a question I wanted to ask you to get the answer that I thought I was going to get, which is what you just gave me. And that the team leader, you know, understands that people will move and shift and need to do things in their, in their, in their life. And he's, he's supportive of that. And that is not, that is not common when we see people nope. leave teams. And I think you kind of talked a little bit about your history before, um, with other companies and, you know, Raul's history previously and moving on. And I think that's something that to be spoken about, you know, with respect to how this business is being handled because it continues to thrive and it thrives because not because you have all the talent in the world, but because that talent can work together. Oh, yeah. And you also recognize that talent may need to move on. They may need to do other things. Things happen. Um, and it's, you, you, you you, we're, guys we're able to, you guys are able to work through that stuff. We're, we're, yeah. I mean, we spent years, and Raul doesn't let people get close. It take it takes a while for you to actually like for him to really trust you and consider you like a real friend. Because mm -hmm. we talked about the way this business is and, and the way people will just try to pull you apart. And you know, through these years, um, I guess I proved my loyalty, and he's proved it to me. And we 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 decided that you know we're both people, individuals that we want each other's lives and. And we're, we're, we're family now. So even though I'm not teaching, it doesn't mean I'm not part of the team. Right. No, I, I still, I'll, I'll represent Rogue Methods 
till the day I die. Like, I no, go take a course with them because I know anybody that comes to that team mm-hmm. has the same mentality as I do, right? And that they were hand selected, and it wasn't just for their shooting ability or um, their fighting ability. No, you, you have to check all the boxes because mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm I'm not the best shooter in the world. I, I shoot matches all the time, and I just I get my I get my butt whipped all the time. It's a great part about competition, right? <laughs> right? There's like, always somebody better. Yeah, there's always someone better. It's any given Sunday, as they say. But but <clears> you, <throat> you know what? You know, such instructor part is like, hey, how can I communicate with the students? How mm-hmm. can uh can can I identify the issue and then correct it and get it through to the student? Uh, can I articulate it differently? Because it, what works for you may not work for the next person. And like a big thing, right? In classes, like I've seen this, and it comes from a lot of like military guys, right? <laughs> I was one of them. Um, they'll be running a class and you run it mil- militaristic. That, 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 that doesn't respond well, right? It's like, especially shooting course. It doesn't respond well for the civilians. Uh, because, you know, this person, they're coming to the course because they want to learn. Mm-hmm. They, that's why they're seeing you. The last thing they need to do is be yelled at, right? Or treated like they're in the military. Ready? Oh, right, right, like, right. That's it's nerve wracking. It's not fun. Or you'll see someone like uh, happens all the time. You're in front of the line, right? Someone pulls out their gun. <laughs> it happens. It, it happens. Oh, right? you mean when you're downrange? Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you're up there giving a block of instruction, and right. somebody unholsters. Yeah. yeah, and that's a prime example. You'll see. You'll see a lot of people just freak out, right? It's just biting, biting their head off. It's serious business, but yeah, it is. How you re- it's how you. Well, I think what you're getting is how you respond. But it's how you respond. It's 100 percent serious business. But it's how you respond because this individual, they're screwing up because they don't know better, right? Now, I can correct this issue violently, or I can correct it in a way that doesn't publicly embarrass them. It doesn't make them feel ashamed of themselves. And guess what? They can continue learning through the rest of the day. Otherwise, they're just going to shut down. down. They're going to shut down. They're not going to learn anything. I've seen it happen. Yeah. So I'll be like, hey, uh, hey guys, can can everyone make sure they're holstered for me? I'll never call that individual out. Make sure the line's holstered. All right, cool. Thanks. And I'll just go back to my block. And then at the end when I'm walking through and I was like, hey man, I'd really appreciate it if you don't do that again while I'm up there. All right. Now, whatever. Thank you. Just made your point. Yeah. Yeah. And like privately. Yeah, privately. Right. Never publicly embarrass someone because they're, they're a student. And uh, now they're going to go home and then or they're going to tell their buddies or whatever. Oh, like, oh, that instructor was a jerk or, you know what? Hey, I screwed up. and Or maybe they never say a word about it, yep. but they're never going to do that again. Yep. Right? Or, or they, you know, and they go, you know what? You should go take a class with them. Right. You know, word of mouth is, that's the best business. Just create a good reputation. Right. So I, I think that's really big too with us. It's like, we just try to be real people and understand that our students are real people. I'm not, we're not, I'm not out there in the military teaching privates. Right. It's completely different world. Yeah. I think I can, I, mean, I think a lot of people can get on board with that. It has been the message for quite some time. As of late, I've been talking to a lot of, a lot of folks and on, I would just say centered on that concept of a person's introduction to the firearm space you know, whether it's an instruction or purchasing a firearm or going through the process of learning about them and where they're getting that information from, more importantly, how, uh, and the experiences that they have and how that can, that, that first experience can, yeah, can 100% dictate how they approach the rest of their journey. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're feeling responsibility as, you know, you've clearly articulated you do to helping that person get the best experience possible so that they're extracting value out of those things without all the Without all the the some of the bullshit, for lack of yep. a better term, that can come along with it, uh, I think that's a that's an important thing. Now, I understand also that that is not every 
class that happens on the range. I mean, there are guys teaching to LEO. There are guys teaching to the military. But I think you said it, knowing how to read the room, who is your audience. You're not saying that's for everybody. You're saying for most people and the people that you come in contact with most, that's what it is. I mean, even if I was teaching the cops, right? And let's say they got their sergeant or whatever. I'm teaching the LEOs. I'm going to handle it the same way, but his sergeant is going to handle it differently. Right. Let them handle it. Right. Like that, that's, that, not that's, your job. That, that's not my job. My job is to make you better. And I, I can't make you better if I make you mentally shut down. Now, if he chooses to make you mentally shut down and not be able to get, gather more information for the rest of the day, that's, that, all, that's, that's on, on them. Not yeah. on me. I right. did my best. Right. So let's talk about just like, uh, you mean, again, you, you, you mentioned, look, you're, you're preparing for something uh, that you've been preparing for something for a long, long time, but are you still competing? Are you still shooting matches? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I still shoot local matches. I'm not shooting any majors right now. The, the local matches all over down yeah, here, man. Yeah, that's, you, that's all it is. All week long, like, I was stunned. Like, you go out on any day of the week and shoot a match. Yeah, I was, right? I, I was trying to tell Tony, because I'm meeting up with Tony later, yep, yep. and I was like, dude, uh, is there any matches, like, you know, Thursday night? Because we, we could do this uh, <laughs> podcast, and, like, let's go shoot a night match or something. Right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, there's always matches. I mean, that's Arizona. I, I would say with a hundred percent, hundred percent that the best shooters as a whole come from Phoenix, Arizona. And the, just because of the accessibility to, to yeah, get into competitions and yeah. they're just shooting more rounds and yeah. And, and you're, anytime you shoot on a squad, you're shooting with someone that was a world champion, a state champion, national champion. You're shooting okay. with, you're never just shooting with just a bunch of, you're always shooting with a pro. Like there's someone there that you'll, you won't even know it. And you're like, Oh, I guess you were world champion, you know, a couple of years ago. I, yeah, right? I guess that makes sense because I mean, I see see guys posting stuff all the time, and when I talk to them, they're, they're shooting matches and constantly shooting matches. And you mentioned Tony; he's like, "Man, if we got some time, we could totally jump into a match this afternoon." I'm like, "This afternoon, we can just go jump into a match." Yeah. Unfortunately, the, the itinerary has been so tight. He's been an awesome host, by the way. Um, but the you know the itinerary's been so tight, wasn't able to get out and do that. But next time I get here, like I'm definitely gonna have to jump into some of this stuff, and I, it won't be long before I come back. That's such a good time. Oh, it's it's worth it. And like, I mean, I think I like I was saying earlier, my practice is competition. Yeah. And so I don't dry fire. I'm one of like probably the, the few instructors like I really I don't dry fire. Um, I believe dry fire is, uh, it's amazing and it can do amazing things. But I believe that if you're, if you don't know exactly what you're doing, you can also reinforce bad habits. Mm-hmm. So I think there's also, I think, uh, you just gotta be smart with it. And there's a lot of great, great instructors that talk you through how to dry fire properly and everything mm-hmm. like that. So there's no really no need to cover it. But with my work schedule stuff, like my dry fire for me is like, I'm sitting on the couch with an unloaded gun shooting bad guys on TV mm-hmm. or light switches or whatever. That's my dry fire. Just hitting the mag, you know, in and out, like, mm-hmm. To me, that's that's dry fire because I don't like just standing there in my competition belt. I, I get bored. So you get out on the range and yeah. So I go to the go range. To life. Yeah. Well, yeah, and like it's and it's you know, it's cold performance, um, which is what it would be in real life. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, I just go out and shoot matches. I, sh- I shoot any sort of pistol match I can. I've really got into uh, the carbine matches out here. They have black rifle and accurized carbine. I'll be shooting that um, um, Saturday, and that's you're taking your your carbine. You're taking it out to like seven hundred plus yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, with your normal fourteen five. How fun! Yeah it's, yeah, it's awesome. This is the internet says this is impossible. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> I know it's not. I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I, that's what, it was so funny. It's like you would think that because that's what the internet tells you, and then you watch these guys, and you're like, oh, we just took these fourteen fives. Like we had three hits on a row, right. a thousand and fourteen yards with a fourteen five and a seventy five grain bow tail hollow point. Keep keep telling that. Yeah, with keep a, telling with that a story. one to eight power. Right, right. But but yeah. you you know your max effective range is five hundred meters. Yeah. Stop yeah. it with all that. <laughs> stop. <Yeah. laughs> just stop. 
So uh, I tell you what, man, like, um, I, before sitting down with you, like I, like I, I did mention, I had a little bit of intel on you, but I didn't know a lot about you outside of like your love of shooting. And that's palpable from the outside looking in. Um, and you know, you walking through the story really, I, I think bridges the gap between what I, what I could feel and what I could see and why. Right. Uh, and I, I appreciate you, 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 you sharing all of that. And I think there's always a little mystery behind, you know, the folks that you see out there. And I yeah, think there's probably a little bit more mystery behind you just because like, I understand we've talked about the team a lot and I don't want to make it all about the team that the podcast is really about you, but to get onto that team there, there, there has to be some depth <laughs> yeah. and uh, you, you, you covered that. And so I, part of, part of this, I hope is, you know, from people on the outside looking in, like upcoming instructors, people that really want to be instructors or want to be more involved and are not sure how yeah. you, you I, I want to ask you, like, what advice do you give them, uh, you know, in their, in their journey, uh, to, 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 they want to make an impact. They might not be quite ready or sure how to do it. What yeah. do you tell them? So what's funny about that is like, I have all, all the time in my Instagram, right? Hey, how do I become an instructor? Mm-hmm. I always tell my students, like, if you ever have any questions, like mm-hmm. hit me up. Mm-hmm. If you want me to review some of your, your stages, your footage or what you're working on, like I'll be happily do it. If you, mm-hmm. if, if you want my opinion, I'll, I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually a common question. Like, hey, how do I get into it and stuff? So one, <clears throat> I think number one is make sure that uh, your heart is the right place, right? Don't do it because, oh, you want the money or you want to be able to charge, you know, $150 a class or wh- whatever it is. Have the right reasons. Right. All right. Um, and then number two is I don't really care about your certifications. I care about how well you can shoot. So... I think to have a deep understanding of shooting, you need to be a good shooter, mm. right? And this amazing thing, we have competition. And you're, com- you're compared against everyone in the world. They got classes. They got, you know, there's a reason why it's there. Go compete. Be, get classified. Be an expert, a master class shooter. Be a really good shooter. I, even a, a, a class. Just to have a, be a really good shooter and start to develop that deep understanding for shooting, right? Um, like one, one one of my favorite things, like I always hear uh, hear people talk about, and they're like, "Oh, it's my trigger press. It's my trigger press when I'm shooting low left or whatever." I'm no, it's not. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Right, I get where you go. Yeah. yeah, it's well, I'm telling you right now, the best shooters in the world slap the hell out of the trigger. Yeah. I mean, it's just slap, slap. No, what it is, it's your grip pressure right. is changing drastically during the trigger press, which is if you're right-handed, you're dipping at the gun low left now. But you know, they get isolated on the it's on, on the trigger. On, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no, like if you want to shoot fast, guess what you got to do. You're, you're going to slap the trigger. Yeah, so it's n- don't fall into the trap of listening to the generalized correction, right, uh, for whatever the thing that you're seeing is happening on the on the target. Right. It's, it's a little bit deeper than that. So don't regurgitate that information. Right. It's, it's learning for yourself, right? Like you said, you hit a keyword, regurgitate. Yeah, you're not out there saying what someone else told you or whatever. You're out there teaching what you know to be true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like... I get it. I, yeah, I think that's those really solid advice. You touched on something there about having to compete. And, you know, I had, I've had different thoughts about this in the shooting community, um, specific to the competition piece. And this is what, this is where I am with it right now, because I'm with you. Um, and there, some people try to make comparisons. I may have done this a time or two. I don't recall, but I probably have because, you know, I'm in the Mm-hmm. I spend my time and make my money in sort of the fitness world yeah. and human performance and things like that. So it's very easy to make the comparison of like, you know, you have a, 
you have an athlete, right? And you're trying to teach that athlete how to, uh, you know, I don't know, let's think NFL, right? So you've got a coach that's never played the position that, you know, that's never actually done the thing that they're coaching their athlete to do. And there may be a little bit of resistance from the athlete to the coach on, well, you've actually never done this before. And, and so you can't tell me how to do it. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But that guy also isn't six foot four, right? right? He doesn't run, you know, a four flat 40, right? He didn't have the same opportunities that you have both in genetically and all those things and maybe where he was in life. That doesn't mean he can't give you a skill set, right? Or help you with your skill set to be a better athlete of who you are. Absolutely. Um, And in terms of him telling you how to run, he's not, he's not telling you how to lift weights. He's not telling you how to be stronger necessarily how to be faster. He's telling you what you do in this particular situation Mm -hmm. for this particular thing. On the shooting side of things, I think it's different because there really is zero barrier of entry. You do not have to, but you don't have to fit a certain height, weight, you know, size, you know, whatever in order to go compete. That's true. Um, now, those things will impact you, right? Your, mm-hmm. your yeah. health, your fitness, your mobility, your speed, agility, quickness, all those things mm-hmm. will impact you in terms of where you might rank as a shooter. But anybody can go do this with all the different classes of firearms and all the, or sorry, all the different classes that they run. You, know, you can kind of shoot anything you want. So if you really want to do this and you really want to be a competitive shooter, I think that is solid, or uh, excuse me, an instructor, I think that is solid advice to go compete. Um, be, and, and don't make an excuse, well, because I can do this in this amount of time or whatever else, I don't have to compete. I, you know, that's kind of just where I am right now. Like, I, I no, you don't have to compete. But well, when, when, it, when, when they're stacking people up and people are shopping, like the consumer shopping, just understand that that's going to be one of those things they're probably going to look well, at, if not now, maybe know, I, at some point. And I get it. Like, and the, the reason I say compete, because I, I believe that grief is going to create that deeper understanding. That's what I mean. But it's easy for me to go out and I can run who's ever drill, whatever, right? I'm the best shooter in the room because I'm out by myself. And I'm shooting. I'm like, oh yeah, I crushed this drill. Okay, well, on the fourth time you tried it, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> the highlight or, reel, ten, ten time, whatever. Yeah. But I can go out there and I can just crush it by myself. When I never want to be the smartest person in the room, right? I never want to be the best. If you want to get better, you got to be around people that are better. So, what I like about competitions, every time you go to a match, you're going to be around yep. better shooters, yep. right? So, being around better shooters is how you get better, and that's what I really like about the competition uh, world. It's not that you can't get really good on your own. You can, absolutely. You know, when, when I first classified an IDPA, it was funny. I, I, took my, uh, I took one of my guys out when we were in the Army, and we're like, we're going to go shoot, right? Well, you had our Glock 19, just standard Glock 19 or whatever, and they had a classifier that day. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we shot the classifier, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm a master class shooter now. <laughs> like, Interesting. Yeah. Just and, happened. Yeah. <laughs> but before that, we'd always go out and just shoot steel and run our own drills and stuff, but it happened, we go shoot this real match and then um, got classified and it was like, oh, okay. I think, he, I think he classified as expert or something. And it's like, oh, okay, it's a Glock 19, you know? Um, so you can get really good and stuff on your own, but I want, I want you to understand, have to create that deep understanding as an instructor and understand the little, little nuances and understand just to, to see that little twitch in someone's hand and then know, oh, yeah, that's- I've been there. That's your grip. Mm-hmm. And I think the way you do that is from competing. Because you're you're around people that are better than you all the time. Now, if you got a great great group of friends and they're all better, well, sure, you're gonna, but you're only gonna get to their level. Yeah, I think that's the other thing. Like you, you know, you're probably in the wrong room if you're yeah. trying to get better, and you're the best person. You're, if yeah. you're the best in the room, you're in the wrong room. Find a different room. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. mean, it's funny. You know, 
But at the same time, it's like, so I practice with Hunter. When I do practice, I, I practice with Hunter. And Hunter like smokes me now, He's right? a savage. Yeah. yeah. But you want to know who he listens to? When I'm, he always listens to me when I give him corrections and vice versa. When he gives me a correction, I listen. I'm like, he's like, hey, this is what you're doing. Oh, okay. But when I'm like, hey, you're a better shooter than me, but hey, dude, this is what you're doing. He was like, oh, crap, you know? And he, he listens. Yeah, he's humble. And well, he trusts you. And, and, and he trusts me because he understands that I have accomplished a lot, um, especially when I was younger, but that I, do, I really don't shoot and stuff anymore. Like, it's a perishable skill. You, you, mm. you have to be doing it all the time. Um, and you know what? If I had unlimited funds and I didn't have to work and everything right, my, my life would probably be a lot different because I would just go shoot. And then I would just practice every day and get really good. 100%. I 100% understand that. Yeah. I'd be doing the same. Yeah. Um, so as an instructor, that's why I say that I have the heart in the right, right, uh, right direction. Get, gain that deeper understanding. You don't have to be the master class shooter, but you need to get good, mm-hmm. right? And you need to be classified and, you know, just, just go out there at the right purpose. If you can help one person, that you helped one person. Right. It, it's not about helping thousands and thousands. Like, that's great. Like, I have no following on social media because I'm terrible at social media. I'm ter- terrible at it, right? Raul, Raul, Raul wants to beat me <laughs> because I won't get on social media and I don't do lives and I don't, I, I, just, I, I get weird with the camera. And, uh, but it's like, if you can help one person, two people, like, that's awesome. You just help two people. Right. So, Take one step at a time. Yeah, if you if you want to go get out there and you, you you know what, hey, you got you got a pretty solid understanding of shooting. And you want to start teaching um, CCW or whatever. Like, mm. That's great. You want to teach fundamentals. That's that's great. Go for it. Pick something. Just be really good at that. Yeah, just be 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 good at it. Yeah, man, I hear you, <laughs> man. I, I I tell you what, man. Like um, again, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to get from from this today. Me either. But I. <laughs> But I sort of did. Like, I knew it was going to be good. I thought you did an outstanding job. That was just, well, the way you kind of walk people through that. I mean, again, like you said, you're not good at social media. I'm really not that either. If I didn't have a team helping me out, I, you wouldn't even see me there. Like, I have, I'm horrible at it. So, <laughs> um, but that said, like, that, that, that's why I come out to have these conversations because when I get a hunch about something or, you know, if I just kind of look at it, it beyond the social media, all the connection points, again, the people you've worked with, the things that you've done, the things that I have heard you say. And this comes out from outside your circle too, maybe people that have had interactions with you. You know, again, I try to, I try to check around. I don't yeah. just randomly pick people to be on the yeah. show. I'm looking for folks that I know can provide some level of value or that I feel I like can and can resonate and connect with, with, with listeners on the show. Not everybody will, but just you said, like, I'm not trying to change the world. I'm not trying to make all the people happy all the time. It's impossible. Well, it's funny. It's like, you know, Mike Pannone. Everyone knows Mike Pannone. Everybody knows yeah, Mike Pannone. Yeah, we used to shoot together at yeah. Pima, you yeah. know, like, no one or not. He'd run up and, dude, check out this. He, 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 always, has, he always has the new cool stuff. And, right. and I, I love the way Mike thinks and just, it's I mean, good. he just goes hard in the paint. Crazy I see, energy. I, I see him out there shirtless, you know, carrying the freaking <laughs> plate rack on his back, moving it. I'm like, there, there's wheels, you know. Yeah. You can like, He's, he makes us all look bad with how but, hard he works, man. But shooting with him and, yeah. you know, it's just, it, it's it, for a big community, it's it's still a smaller community. Oh, uh, yep. And uh, if you don't know somebody, someone knows you, you know, someone's done something. I think that's a solid point, man. Like, so if you have questions about somebody, you don't usually have to go very far no. to get some answers. That works both ways. Yep. Right? So it can either be very good for you or it can be very bad well, for you. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, so I'm going to sh- be shooting that accurized carbine on, on Saturday, right? Guess what I'm going to, what I do the entire time. I, I'm out there. Every time I shoot, I'm a student. You know, I, I've learned stuff from shooters that were better than me. And I've learned stuff from shooters that weren't as good for me. I've seen like ways they practice or something they noticed. And I'm like, 
taking just, value away I, yeah, from that. Yeah, I just took value. So when I go out there Saturday, I'm going to be like, hey, why are you in that position instead of this position? All right, because I'm trying to, I'm always learning. trying to learn. I'm always trying to improve. Right. And, uh, and I think that's number one as an instructor because I'll see a lot of guys, it's easier for them to get out there and be like, oh, like, I'm instructor. Mm-hmm. Like, man of the like, day. Yeah, dude, like, dude, you're, you're, you're just a dude. You're just a dude, man. Right. You know, right. just <laughs> Go out there and just do your part. Like, and so it's it's easy to have an ego, but you know, especially in shooting, egos are e- easily crushed. Yeah, it's obnoxious here too. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. it's, it's so it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. I, and I'm I'm not about the drama. I, I don't I can get I can care less about the drama. You look at our team posts. Like, if someone puts a negative comment on there, who cares? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, like we we look forward to oh, seeing we, we look forward to seeing your YouTube video on on it or your your reel on on how it should be. Yeah, I'm here. You're not like. Yeah, man, I'm the same way. I give it zero oxygen. Yeah. You give it oxygen, it continues to burn. Just leave it alone. If you want to keep going on about it, cool. You're driving the algorithm, yeah. but I'm not getting. I'm not getting involved. I think I, I think I've literally seen Raul like say that to somebody. Like, yeah. thank thank you for helping the, the algorithm. algorithm. Yeah. yeah, we appreciate your contributions today. Well, that said, I think it's a good place to wrap up. I appreciate your contribution to uh, to my trip to my oh. journey and to my journey through this whole thing. Um, that's why I started the podcast was you know, to, to document my journey. And hopefully that would be helpful for people, uh, so that they could hear these types of conversations with people that may not be, you know, all over social media right. with massive followings and things like that, but are contributing, uh, at a, at a, at a, at a deep level in different types of ways. Right. So, um, I, I appreciate your time and taking time out of here, driving all the way out here, spending your time, taking time away from your workout, family, the range, all the things that are important to you. This was important for me and I appreciate it. It's important to me too, because like I said, if it helps one person, then I just did my job as an instructor. Right on. You know, because if if I say resonate with one person and then I I did my job, it's it's that simple. Well, thanks for doing that today, man. I appreciate you. Um, uh, So like, again, (laughs) you're not big on social media as you've self-proclaimed. Uh, but if people want to find out a little bit more about you, go find you, follow you, mm-hmm. kind of see some of the things you're doing. And I highly encourage people to go see some of your shooting videos. If you like, if you like watching people that love to shoot and are really good at it, do it. Where do they go? Well, so my Instagram's Dylan Bensky, uh, D-I-L-L-O-N-B-E-N-T-Z-K-E. Um, <clears throat> so that's, I mean, that's where you can get a hold of me. You can always DM me. I, I respond to everybody. Um, but Hunter actually has a really cool YouTube video we did where we went through like practicing some drills mm-hmm. and we were doing doubles at 70 yards and stuff. Um, he has a really good YouTube video, Hunter he's, Constantine to check out. He's got a great, great channel period. Yeah. Don't yeah. judge. I, I, I was fatter than I, I got, I got my, I got my life together though. <laughs> Started hitting a lot of cardio right, uh, and weights. <laughs> so good. Yeah. We missed Hunter on this trip. Uh, busy, just timing didn't work out. I he's made, on the way to Ipswich nationals. Yeah. Yeah. I made him, uh, promise me next time I'm through, we do it or he's got all the cool video, you know, and audio stuff at his house. So we may be able to pull off a remote one that's worth a shit. Cause I can't stand those. There's always glitches and it bothers me that we're not in the same room cause we don't get the same energy, but, um, he's, he's, he's got a pretty good well, setup. So we might do that sooner than later. Oh man, I, I, I'd want Hitman to be around. Cause yeah. if you just, re- just remind Hitman that Hunter left him at the airport, <laughs> well, he's coming. Like I said before, Dan gave up the space today. He's coming in tomorrow, which I cannot wait to do. He's going to be the first pro fighter I've had on. So if you're hearing this before you hear uh, the Dan, uh, the Dan Moret podcast, like you're going to want to hear that one because this dude's this dude is something. Oh, he, he's incredible. I, uh, I remember when we first started Rogue Methods uh, when Raul first started it. I was doing the class, and he, Dan was there demoing, helping, instructing. You know, and it's just, it's so crazy. Because it's like this is a true pro, like I'm I'm, I'm a bigger dude, 
And Dan just manhandled me. And it's like he was hitting nice. He was just right. doing a little hit. And oh my God, it hurts so freaking bad. Yeah, yeah, you know. You know when you're when you're working with, with a pro. As soon as he touched me, I'm like, oh, this is gonna hurt. Yeah. As soon as he put put me, put his hand around the back of my head, I'm like, oh my you're God. In big I'm, trouble. I'm so outclassed, you're outmatched. In, you're in big trouble. <laughs> yeah. I think people a lot of people listening to the show can can uh, can relate to that. So yeah, I can't wait to have that conversation <laughs> it's, with it's him. It's gonna be great. Continue it here. So again. Hey, Dylan, thanks so much for your time, man. I appreciate you. If there's anything I can do for you, uh, you know, to help you along your journey or support you, you, you got a friend here. Uh, I'm happy to do it. And for those out there listening, go check out Dylan on uh, Dylan Vensky on Instagram. Check out some of those videos uh, it, just for some real positive stuff. Yeah. Right? That's all you're going to ever get out of this guy. I think he's great. So thanks yeah, again for your time. Negativity is no good. And thank you so much for having me on. Like, that's really cool. It's my first podcast. Uh, and it's just, it was just really cool. It was just a really cool experience and easy to talk to. And I was, I was a little nervous about that because I'm like, oh, I don't know this guy or anything like that. But I get you, it. you made the conversation just real easy to have and fun. And I think, uh, I think what you're doing is great. I, I really do. Because I, I appreciate that. There, I think there's a, especially now, there's so many, there's so many amazing instructors out there. Um, so many people that have uh, valuable things to teach. So by you uh, getting the helping get the word out you know it's, it's awesome it really well, is. I, I do appreciate that man thank you for that acknowledgement that's what we're trying to do here yeah. and uh when i get compliments like that the podcast game is kind of a weird deal just in terms of kind of the feedback that you get and don't get so when i get to sound sit down with people and they they uh you know they give me details like that it's very helpful so i appreciate that man thanks very much <laughs> thanks scott you're awesome thank you for tuning into this episode of iron sights If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review, and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.